greatest living saint. Her name is Sri Mataji Nimala Devi, and she'll be my guest after the music. The guy again, as we're inundated with publicity for the Richard Attenborough film of his life. But how many people can say they knew Gandhi and knew him well over a period of years? My next guest can. She is Sri Mataji Nimala Devi, the founder of the worldwide Sahaja Yoga movement, and she's visiting Australia for a series of lectures. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to City Extra. Thank you. This isn't your first visit to Australia, is it? No, I came uh, here before this. When were you here last? Same time, about same time. Mm. How did you meet Gandhi? My father was a member of the Congress and also my mother and that's how we were very much very close to him. And Mahatma Gandhi came to stay in a place called Vardha, which is only 60 miles from where we all lived. So that's how we always used to visit him, but first time he saw me when I was about seven years of age. Mm. And he asked my father if I could give, uh, if he could give me to him for uh, his own company. My father agreed and I stayed on with him. How long did you spend with him? Quite some time. I used to go very often because I used to study also. So I would say that I cannot count, but I can say every year I used to be with him for about two, three months. Mm. And to a seven-year-old girl, what sort of a man was Gandhi? Oh, uh, see what enamored me about him was that he was a very humble and a kind person and extremely kind to children, very affectionate. He would be very angry on a certain point with someone uh, and suddenly he'd turn around to children and smile and would talk very sweetly to them. <laughs> Were the children good for him? He, yes. Mm. He, he was a very tender person inside. Mm. Uh, You're described in various publications with a lot of different words like Holy Mother and Guru and in one uh, publication I saw you were described as India's greatest living saint. Where do those words come from? From the public as Mahatma has come from the public. Yes. Yes. So that's how they address me sometimes, whatever they think it to be. Yes. Mm. Tell me when you started the life that you're involved with now. From very childhood I knew I had to do this work. I was very aware from my very childhood. Mm. Uh, but my father, who was also a great soul, he told me that uh, you have to find out media by which you give people our mass realization, not individual realization. Because whatever is achieved individually is never accepted by the masses, and such people are always criticized, or they are crucified, or if not, they are always misinterpreted. Yes. So you must find out the way and method by which you have to give our mass realization. And I was quite aware of it, that I have to do this. Mm. So I started working on people in a way to understand what this human problem is, what are their barriers, why don't they get realization easily. And that's how I worked out all the permutations and combinations that are possible in uh, human beings, why they are away from God, why they are not seeking God, or if they are seeking, why don't they reach Him. And I found out the method by which it can be done. Of course, I was aware that we have everything within us. All these things are already built in within us. It has to just happen. But to awaken it, amas, you have to have a complete idea of the permutations and combinations of human beings that are facing. 
and through proper understanding I could achieve a method by which one can give a Amas realization. Hmm. You, the realization that you talk about, realization of what? Realization is of the spirit that what you are. You are the spirit and not this body, mind or anything. You are the spirit. The spirit is like the light in a lamp. Lamp is only useful if there is a light. And so you have to become the light. Hmm. And when the light goes out, where does it go? It doesn't go out when, when a person dies. Then it, if it's a realized soul, he's again born as a realized soul. Hmm. You were born into a Christian family. Yes. The God you refer to is a Christian God, is he? No, he's the universal God I refer to. No, I took my birth in a Christian family because Indian Christians are the most orthodox Christians and very uh, short-sighted people. They are thought they? if I start here, yes, extremely, because they, were, they are the people who are converted people. And I thought if I take my birth among Christians, it would be a better idea because they're very fanatic people in mm. India. And the rest of the people are not so much like the Hindus are my greatest followers today in India. Is that so? Yeah, and Muslims are also there. Parsis are there. Sikhs are there, but Christians are very few, my own relations maybe. Mm. And your own relations, how did they feel about your vocation? Oh, they are very happy about it. They are all very helpful. Uh, my brother is a minister there in the cabinet, and he, he thinks that uh, I am something unique, but he cannot think that others can reach that stage. But of course he believes that they can rise to a point. Mm. How many followers have you? I have not counted, I think, in thousands. Thousands? Mm -hmm. And they're all kinds of people? All kinds, everywhere. We had about representation of 12 countries recently in India. They came down to India. And uh, there are thousands in India also, in the mm -hmm. villages, not in the city. I think the word guru has been devalued over the years because we now read of 16-year-old gurus who own 14 Rolls Royces and palatial mansions in the United States. And I'm interested to know whether guru is an appropriate word for you, and if not, why not? <laughs> you see, these, these people are called as agurus in, in, in our language, in Sanskrit language. They are not gurus. Guru means the one who has the gravity. Gravity stands for guru. And a person who has gravity, who is much higher than you, who can take you to higher goals, is the person who is a guru. And mother is always a guru, because she, uh, she treats a child uh, like a child, but teaches a lot by her own practices and her own precepts. So she is a guru, no doubt. The, these modern gurus are, I'm happy that you can see through now, because I said about them about ten years back, even earlier, nobody wanted to know that. It's first time I hear for now in Australia people are aware about them. Well, it's very hard not to be aware when one the lifestyle that they lead. They leave India almost to a man and they, or a woman, and they go almost unanimously to the United States, don't they? That's what I was telling them, but nobody listened to me. I went first to the United States to warn them that, see, such and such people will be coming, and those, they will be charging you money. You must know they are not God's people. But they told me uh, lots of things like, um, I mean, teaching me wisdom, saying that you must also charge some money, otherwise nobody is going to take you seriously in America because people only understand dollar here. I said, then how will they understand God? It's better I go away. Would you describe your lifestyle now? I'm a 
wife of a very eminent man. He is the Secretary General of International Maritime Organization, who is elected four times unanimously. And I come from a royal family myself, which was a very ancient royal family, which had a calendar made for their dynasty. And uh, also, my husband now, as you know, is very well paid, and we are living very well. <coughs> so I have a double life, I should say, one life with my husband, where I have to attend to parties and meet Prime Minister and the Queen and all those things. On the other side, I have this life of meeting the people who are seekers of truth. So it does not matter to me what sort of life I have as far as comfort is comfort concerned. I'm not bothered. I, I'm very comfortable within myself. I don't need any comforts, any luxuries. Mm. I can travel by the Rolls Royce or Rolls. I can travel by bullock carts, which I do very often. Uh, and I can sleep under a tree and also under a very palatial place. It makes no difference to me. It's so outside. Is it hard to reconcile the two different lives that you have? Not at all, because whatever is me is me. Wherever I am, I am. So it doesn't matter uh, where other things change, it makes no difference. We think too much about these things. This thinking makes the difference. Say if there is cloud on our head, there is cloud. And if there is not, there is sun. You, do you charge money to people to come and hear you speak? Uh, no, not at all. How can you charge? It's an insult. How can you charge for love? People don't understand that there's something that is divine, which you cannot charge money. You cannot. It's an insult of the divine. Mm. A lot has been written about so-called miracles, about cures and so forth. Does this sort of thing happen, or is that exaggerated? I think it's... Uh, I, I put it down very much. It can be done in a much wider way, but uh, I tell them not to publicize too much of healing and all that, because then all kinds of uh, sick people try to come. But uh, it's true that you can get cured of many diseases. And I have definitely cured people of cancer, of uh, all sorts of incurable diseases. And also my disciples are nowadays curing. You yourself can cure your diseases if you get uh, your realization. It is a tremendous thing. It's a fantastic thing, which you are. Human being is a fantastic thing. God has made it so fantastically. Only thing is it has to be connected to the means. See, any instrument which is not connected to the means has no meaning in the same way. Human beings, when they are not one with the divine, they have no meaning. This is real yoga, not the acrobats that people try uh, indiscriminately. Our previous guest was talking about yoga, oh. but that was a different kind of yoga. That's no yoga. That's very indiscriminate. I think that should be given up completely because they have no idea as to what is to be done in what case, and it's very indiscriminate and absolutely naive, I should say. They don't know what they are doing. How much illness is psychosomatic? Uh, most of it is psychosomatic, I think. Uh, like uh, Most of incurable diseases like cancer is psychosomatic. Uh, smellitis and all these things are uh, psychosomatic. And there's another style of uh, reason for diseases is imbalances in life, imbalances. People who think too much, who think for the future, who plan too much, get diabetes and all these diseases, mm -hmm. liver trouble, overactivity, speediness, that's due to imbalances in life. Only the imbalance, uh, if it can be corrected, they can be corrected. Mm -hmm. High blood pressures and all that are due to imbalance. Now, there are some which are caused by overactivity, like 
some people are these days are mad after jogging morning till evening that can cause lot of problem or going to extremes on any physical strain or also we can say some people are um, sitting in the sun for hours together and it's extreme behavior of any kind you see this is a very delicate human body and also it is strong but you should not try to uh, use it like a machine it's not a machine do you think people should smoke and drink not at all they should not there's no need but in sahaja yoga when you come you just give up overnight so i don't tell them don't smoke or don't drink otherwise they won't come to my program even mm. <laughs> what's involved in your program first i bring them to logical conclusion and tell them what they are supposed to be what they have to become and all the things that they have to achieve not through effort mental effort or through mm, paying money all sorts of these things goes things that we try but by actually understanding that it's a living process of our evolutionary process the epitome of it and to achieve it we have to just understand that it will happen spontaneously it has to happen of course as you say i i may enlighten a person but you can enlighten if you are enlightened so it goes on from light to light it's very simple like one candle if it is ready one enlightened candle can enlighten that candle it's that simple as that and if it is so simple and within ourselves why should we make it so complicated and uh, so difficult it's the easiest thing to do if it's the easiest thing to do and if it's so obvious why is the world in such a sorry state they don't want to listen to me that's the trouble with them is they want to have everything complicated if something complicated is told to them they like it because they are used to mental acrobats you see they want to play about with words and all that but they don't know these are words are just like a net and you are just caught up into words i myself don't understand it is such a simple thing to be yourself uh, why don't they do it but they like all these things they like all artificial things like if you have a disneyland of god there will be thousands coming to it or uh, there's a 14 year old boy going with a uh, uh, big uh, paraphernalia of his rolls royces is that impressed by all these things this is not important what should impress you that you have to get yourself something you must get your own powers but they are not interested they want to live on the powers of the so called guru mm. it's interesting because we started this conversation talking about gandhi and he was as far away from 14 rolls royces as could be wasn't he <laughs> ah he was one man who really practiced everything that he said tried to practice also sometimes uh, uh he talked about celibacy and all those things he said after a certain age one should dedicate one's mind to god and uh, not to all these mundane things and, uh, he believed in the maturity of human beings that everybody must mature you can't behave like a 16 year old uh, boy when you are a 70 year old man you see you have to mature and then it looks nice on you to be th- that age do you uh, agree with gandhi in that philosophy that uh, for instance celibacy is something which is to be strived for driven for no he did not say that celibacy should be when you are married when you want to have children at young age he didn't say that no but, but at an older, uh, age. Uh, older age uh, of course of course your attention automatically should go towards god automatically but otherwise also when you get your realization you get very much uh, rhythmically uh, behaving towards sex and things and 
uh, you marry well, you have good marriages, excellent marriages you have, you have beautiful children and you lead a very uh, happy and blissful life. Mm. It's interesting that India is the source of so much spiritual leadership, isn't it? Why is that? The thing is the climate of India is so made that we don't have to do too much to fight the forces of nature. See, it's a very um, nice place. You can live under a tree also. You don't need much. Like in England, when we have to go out 15 minutes before life, you have to it's get ready to face. The outside is so dreadful, like a curse of the goddess there. So uh, that's one thing. And then people started understanding. The nature was so abounding and so much uh, great that people felt the bless blessings of God, you see, and they wanted to find out why, why are we here. And the seeking started much before it started anywhere else. And that's how traditionally anybody in India wants that he should get his self-realization. Mm. That's the main thing is most important. Yes, this message of, of self-realization, that is the message, is it? Yes. Mm. I hope you have a happy stay in Australia. Well, I'm having a very happy stay. And might I uh, make mention of the fact that um, at the Maccabean Hall in Darlinghurst Road, Darlinghurst, you'll be speaking, and the admission is free. Of course, of course, yes. absolutely free. That's on the 15th, 16th, 17th and 18th of March. Thank you for visiting us at City Extra. Thank you. It's very been a pleasure you. to meet Thank you. you. Very nice meeting you. Sri Mataji Nimala Devi. And the